Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Trevor. We've not gotten the chance to meet, but um, I have to warn you, I know I'm usually like the fun, exciting one. I bring a lot of flair to when they let me up here. But this morning, maybe it's after 20 years of my friendship with Michael, but like, I just got to warn you up front, graphs and charts are coming your way. There's not a lot of like humor. So if you just want to laugh every once in a while, that's cool. You know, it's fine. It'll make me feel a little, little more at ease. But hey, this morning we are wrapping up our series, Mind Field, we have been in, talking about just different things that we struggle with that the kind of corrupt our mind, that challenge us. And this morning we're going to talk about something that I believe is kind of the root cause of a lot of this. Um, my journey with understanding mental health more and more uh, started really about eight years ago. I've uh, been working with the, the teens here at, at church, and I noticed like a, a shift. And I thought maybe it was just the students that we had. Um, and then time goes on and on, and I'm like, well, it's every student that we have, and it gets worse over time. And so it really opened my mind up to like understanding this is something I need to start to understand better, that I really need to dive into. And in a lot of the research I've done, the, the things I've read, the things I keep coming back to, the, the underlying cause, maybe the biggest issue that is driving a lot of the things that we are seeing is loneliness. And... I try to do a little bit of research, you know, for everything we do up here. And in my research for this morning, what I came across was about three weeks ago on May 3rd, the United States Surgeon General actually released an 82-page PDF. I read at least six pages of it, so we're good. 82-page <laughs> PDF, and the title of it was this. Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation, the U.S. Surgeon General's Advisory on the Healing Effects of Social Connection and Community. And it's really not 82 pages. That's a little bit of a lie. Like, the last 14 pages are just the 700 references they have for all the nice data they put in there. So it's really only like 68 pages if you want to go read it later. Uh, maybe you can make it further than I did, but... But we're going to reference this, this PDF several times here this morning because essentially what our, our Surgeon General, and this is not political, I don't really care what your views are on that, um, but the United States Surgeon General is coming out and saying that he believes this is what is causing so much of what we are experiencing in our culture. And it is the underlying root behind so much of it. So to start this morning, we're going to read, um, his name is Dr. Vivek Murthy. Um, and we're going to read kind of the opening letter of this PDF. And we'll read a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end. Um, but here's what he writes in this document. He says, when I first took office as Surgeon General in 2014, I didn't view loneliness as a public health concern. But that was before I embarked on a cross-country listening tour where I heard stories from my fellow Americans that surprised me. People began to tell me they felt isolated, invisible, and insignificant. Even when they couldn't put their finger on the word lonely, and this is something I would say in my time working with teenagers, they don't always know. Loneliness isn't always the word they would use, but oftentimes it's what's driving a lot of what they're feeling. And so he says, 
Even though they wouldn't use the word lonely, time and time again, people of all ages and socioeconomic backgrounds from every corner of the country would tell me, I have to shoulder all of life's burdens by myself, or if I disappear tomorrow, no one will even notice. It was a light bulb moment for me. Social disconnection was far more common than I had realized. In the scientific literature, I found confirmation of what I was hearing. In recent years, about one in two adults in America reported experiencing loneliness. And that was before the COVID-19 pandemic cut off so many of us from friends, loved ones, and support systems, exaggerating loneliness and isolation. Loneliness is far more than just a bad feeling. It harms both individual and societal health. It is associated with greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, stroke, depression, anxiety, and premature death. The mortality impact of being socially disconnected is similar to that caused by smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day and even greater than that associated with obesity and physical inactivity. They believe the data is suggesting loneliness is killing more people than smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. The harmful consequences of a society that lacks social connection can be felt in our schools, workplaces, civic organizations, where performance, productivity, and engagement are diminished. Given the profound consequences of loneliness and isolation, we have an opportunity and an obligation to make the same investment in addressing social connection that we have made in addressing tobacco use, obesity, and the addiction crisis. He finds loneliness to be maybe the greatest thing facing the health concerns of our country. And this is what is driving it. And so our first, first fun chart of the day, I'm a little disappointed in them because their color choices were just not it. I need a little more flair in my charts and graphs. I mean, but straight from the PDF and uh, one of the 600 things they, they cited. So these numbers you'll notice in March 2020, that was in the middle of COVID. So the trend is going down. But if we just look at February 2023 from a couple months ago, here's what the data says. The question is simply, did you experience feeling loneliness a lot of the day yesterday? 17% of all adults felt lonely a lot of the day yesterday. I like to round a little bit. That's roughly one in five. It's a little bit higher than one in five, but one in five adults felt lonely a lot of the day yesterday. If we go down to our 18 to 29-year-olds, one in four felt lonely a lot of the day yesterday. And it's probably not the same people experiencing it every day. These numbers to me are really, really high. Age 65 plus 13% felt lonely a lot of the day yesterday. And, and as I've studied this the last several years, this is the thing that has always confused me about loneliness, is that somehow there's an inverse connection to how old you are, that the younger you are, the lonelier you feel, and the older you are, the less lonely you feel. Um, and it's pretty consistent all throughout the age groups. Our loneliest age group, teenagers. Our second loneliest age group, 20-year-olds. Third loneliest, 30-year-olds. And, it, and, and I've never been fully able to wrap my mind around it other than just over time, we've lost the ability, the understanding, the importance 
of deep connections. And I think a lot of our younger people have very shallow connections or no connections, which is driving this. They estimate that it's costing Medicare roughly $7 billion in excess medical expenses every year. Loneliness. Because of what it is doing to our health. And so this goes beyond just like, this is something we need to talk about. Like, I hope you understand that, that it is something we need to talk about, but this is legitimately a health concern, a health crisis. What loneliness is causing in our people. It's not just causing depression, anxiety. It is causing those things. But in addition to that, it's killing more people than smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Like, it is having severe consequences on us as people. And so when we look at the Bible, there's not like this, you know, nice story we can pull out and be like, hey, here's the answer. Uh, But to me, if we look at verses in the Bible, this concept of us needing people is woven through the entire Bible. We could pull out verse after verse after verse, and I'm gonna rapid fire a few at you, that kind of illustrate just how we were designed and created and so desperately need connections with people. So I believe it's the first thing that God ever dealt with in the Bible. In Genesis chapter two at creation, right? We know God created. It goes on Genesis 2, 18, Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And I know this verse gets used a lot for for marriages, for weddings, for dating. But I believe deeper than that is God just saying very simply, I created one human and it wasn't good for that human to be alone. So we have more humans. God, from creation, designed and wove it into us that we need people. It is not good for us to be alone. And I know some of you are introverted, and I don't understand that world at all. I'm sorry. But some of you do need some isolation time, and I fully understand that. But you also always need deep connections with people to be the best version of yourself. In Proverbs... Proverbs, just a collection of wise sayings, so you don't really try to want to read it all the way through. But in Proverbs 27, 17, the verse simply says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. To be the best versions of ourselves, we need to be surrounded by quality people who make us better. We will not achieve the best versions of ourselves alone, which again just illustrates that God designed us to to need connection with people. Galatians 6.2, one of Paul's writings, he says this, share each other's burdens and in the same way, obey the law of Christ or you fulfill the law of Christ. He's saying, if you wanna fulfill what Jesus asked us to do, then we share each other's burdens. We carry things, heavy things with each other. We help each other. And part of helping is also sharing. Part of helping is walking alongside other people. I know a lot of us don't like to share and let other people in, which also then prevents these close connections that we have. But he says, if we want to fulfill what Christ asked us to do, then we share and we walk alongside each other. There's an assumption in the Bible that we understand we were created for community. A quote from Jesus in John chapter 15. Here's what he says. 
He says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything that the father told me. And nope, that's the next one, sorry. (laughs) Missed that. Uh, Jesus uses the word friend here several times. And the first thing he says is that the greatest love that we have is to lay down one's life for a friend. And so we could talk about the love aspect, which I think is important here. But more than that, Jesus is assuming an, un- an understanding that we have friends and that those connections are deep enough. We understand love is being willing to sacrifice something for those friendships. Jesus goes on and he uses that word about us. He says, you all are my friends. And he's talking to his disciples. He's using this word friend. And so I was curious, like, what does this word mean? And I looked it up for you and it means friend, in case you're wondering. But the other thing it said in the Greek translation of this word, the word friend means that which is important, loved, or dear. It's a deep connection with another person that Jesus actually models in his entire ministry. His entire ministry is based around deep connections with people that he walks alongside. And then those people take those deep connections and they change the world. So if we go to the book of Acts, the early church, the things they did, so the picture of the early church, here's how it describes them. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. When we look at this picture of the early church, and I know some people are like, we should get back to Acts chapter two. Maybe, but the, the picture and the concept of what they are doing, I believe the reason the early church had success was when you look at the picture of community that they had. They met together every day. They celebrated each other. They shared together. They were so united in their mission. I believe that is the reason the church had success. If you look at the, the church history, obviously God was in this movement, obviously the Holy Spirit, obviously they had a very compelling message that they really believed. But the church exploded to become a movement all over the Roman Empire. And it did it very, very quickly because these people were so united and committed. They were encouraging each other, empowering each other to be the best versions of themselves. They needed the best relationships with quality people to make each other better. And so I believe this whole concept is woven throughout the entire Bible. We could pull more verses, more scripture, more stories And almost all of them will involve people. If you read Paul's letters, a lot of the the letters in the New Testament that we reference, right? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Paul wrote a ton of these. I I can't say most because I didn't fact check this. I'll say most. You can fact check me later. 
most of these letters, he is actually thanking people for their connections. He is thanking specific people by name. He is sharing those people and those connections with other people. He will consistently be like, this person has meant so much to me. I'm going to send them to you so they can mean so much to you. And he, we, we get a picture he is never traveling alone. This guy who wrote so much of the New Testament, who did so much, and what he points it back to in his letters is those connections he had with people who kept him going, who made him better. And that's what we need as people still to this day. We need those connections with people. We need people to make us better. Or loneliness is the result and it's destroying us as people. And it's especially destroying our young people. And so to me, when I, when I look at this and, and kind of reading through some of the, the PDF and some things I have sensed, I want to talk about three problems I think that get in the way of our community. And so the first one is just that we as people have become more isolated and individualistic as a society. We are valuing it less and therefore spending less time on it. So we have these nice uh, six, six charts side by side with different colors. This is the only color. These, this data is from 2003 to 2019. So this all ends before COVID would have become a thing. And this is looking at the average number of daily minutes that we spend doing these things. So social isolation over the last 20 years, roughly, we have increased our social isolation by 24 hours per month. We are spending 24 hours more alone and isolated than we did in 2003. Our household family social engagement is decreased five hours a month. Companionship, and they define that as a shared leisure for the sake of enjoyment or intrinsic satisfaction. So the things that really give us joy that we are doing with other people is down 14 hours per month. The social engagement with friends is a decrease of 20 hours per month. And they actually said in young people, it's down even further, that one. Non-household family social engagement is down 6.5 hours a month and social engagement with others is down 10 hours a month. Basically, every stat that we have to talk about how we're spending our time, we are spending way more time isolated and way less time in community and connection with people. And probably a lot of you have noticed, I have noticed, even when we are around other people, oftentimes we're not around other people. We are still being isolated even than those. But but we are just spending way more time alone, way less time in connection with people, and oftentimes those connections aren't even as deep. Um, I can tell you as someone who has worked with students, the thing I've heard from a lot of students recently as they graduate high school and reflect on it, the regret I have heard consistently the most is that I regret not having better connections and making more memories. That I realized too late what the most important thing was and I didn't spend enough time on that. And that's what I've heard from our students. So we're spending a lot of time alone and isolated. The second thing I wanna talk about is is we have lost trust in other people. We cannot have deep connections without being able 
to trust people. First, we have to spend time with them, but second, like, we have to be able to trust them. From the Surgeon General's report, they found that trust, oh, I'm not ready for that one yet. It's okay, you can leave it up there. <laughs> trust in each other and major institutions is at a historic low. So they conducted polls in 1972 and found that roughly 45% of Americans, so almost half of us, felt like we could trust other Americans. In 2016, that number dropped to 30%. So less than a third of us feel like we can trust other people. We can't have deep connections with people that we don't trust. That number was from seven years ago. I have to believe at best it's the same, but more than likely it's lower. Our media is making money off of division. Our social media is making money off of division. We as people have looked for reasons to, the, the cancel culture is so prevalent. We become very negative. Um, we don't know how to disagree. We don't know how to trust people we disagree with. And so that has become a problem. And, and this lack of trust has just caused us to lose close connections. But beyond that, it is destroying our young people. And so we can put the, the graph back up. Uh, there's a company called Springtide Research that looks into data dealing with young people. And what they have found is there is a radical difference with how many uh, in your mood based on how many trusted adults you have in your life. So this is for 13 to 25-year-olds. And, and they did the breakdown. It, it's a nice gradual change between zero to five. Um, but just to show you kind of the extremes, I pulled this picture. 13 to 25-year-olds that have zero trusted adults, 62% of them feel completely alone, 70% of if no one understands them, and 73% of them are stressed and overwhelmed. If they have five plus trusted adults, those numbers drop so dramatically. Only 9% of them feel alone. 21% feel left out. They're still stressed and overwhelmed. Um, probably for some other reasons, but... We need trusted adults. As young people, they need trusted adults. And when we can't trust each other, we maybe don't even trust, you know, the people in this room. We don't trust people in our schools. A lot of our young people, I think, that leads to confusion of who do I trust? Who can I trust? People are disagreeing and we can't trust people who disagree because we don't know how to have healthy conversations, healthy conflict, healthy disagreements. And so it is destroying our young people when they don't have adults they feel like they can trust. And I believe that culture starts with us as adults not knowing how to trust each other. We're afraid of what someone might do or say. We are trying to protect and insulate. But what that's doing is, is causing them to feel completely alone. And so I just, like, I hurt for our teenagers and in this culture. And so that's one of the questions, right, is how do we learn to trust each other? How do we learn to get along? Do you know the last thing Jesus prayed for in the garden before he was arrested was unity among Christians. And I never understood that until recently when I've started realizing how, what's the opposite of you, disconnected? I, I don't know, disunity, um, how much we've lost that and how much we just don't have trust in other people. And we're afraid of what they might do or say. 
which leads to us feeling alone and having worse connections with people. The third thing I think that really, really gets in the way is just very simply technology. And I don't have a nice graph for you. I I don't feel like I probably need one. I've sensed this in my own life really, really badly. And I feel like I used to be okay with it. Then COVID hit. And I spent a lot of time at home, got really addicted to my phone. And now like, it's really, really hard for me to stay present with people. Maybe that's you, maybe it's not. Um, But I really, really struggle to stay present. It's really easy to pull my phone out. There's always something on TV, always technology playing that, that doesn't keep me as present with people to develop these deeper connections. And I can tell you from what I've seen in our young people, it's to an extreme with them. And in our, our small groups right now, um, been really trying to encourage kids to, to turn phones off and to put them away. And I don't blame them for this, but we can turn our phones off and within 90 seconds, someone without even realizing it will have their phone back out and laughing at something. And then I remind them, oh yeah, oh, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay. We can put phones across the room and somehow a kid will wander over there, bring it back, and honestly, they won't even have realized it's happened. Um, but we don't know how to have the same type of in-person connections that we used to. We are spending less time, we are less trusting, and we don't know how to be nearly as present before technology kind of got in the way of that. And so for us, like we're, we're culturally seeing a shift, but we as people have shifted away from who we were naturally supposed to be. And so as we've lost these great connections, we are losing who God literally designed us to be. The other piece of this, I talked a couple weeks ago about how we are reflections of God uh, when Piper and I were up here. We are the city on a hill, right? God made us in his image, which means one of our best views of God is actually our connections with other people. Our deep connections with people give us a picture of who God is. So we also just, we feel worse, but we have a worse view of who God is when we are lonely and isolated. The Surgeon General closed his letter, and here's what he he wrote for, for two of the final paragraphs. He said this, we are called to build a movement to mend the social fabric of our nation. It will take all of us, individuals and families, schools and workplaces, healthcare and public health systems, technology companies, governments, faith organizations, and communities working together to destigmatize loneliness and change our cultural and policy responses to it. It will require reimagining the structures policies, and programs that shape a community to best support the development of healthy relationships. Loneliness and isolation represent profound threats to our health and well-being, but we have the power to respond by taking small steps every day to strengthen our relationships and by supporting community efforts to rebuild social connection We can rise to meet this moment together. We can build lives and communities that are healthier and happier. And we can ensure our country and the world are better poised than ever to take on the challenges that lay ahead. This is a health crisis. This is a mental health crisis. This is hurting us, but the culture we've created is significantly hurting our young people. 
we have lost the value of community and we have placed a bunch of other things above it and a bunch of things that are really good. But I think the question we all need to assess is for you, are you valuing community? Jesus summed up the whole Bible and the two most important things Jesus said, he said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Which means if we look at what Jesus is saying, the two most important things we can have and do are our connection and love with God and our connection and love with other people. Which means above anything else in our life, that's the two things that should be the priority. Some of us are just too busy to have connections with people and we need to remove things away. Some of us are too driven and we need to spend less time at work or create spaces. Some of us maybe need to turn technology off to reconnect with our family or our friends. Maybe it's a mindset shift even because you can't escape all the busy things you have, but how do you start to develop close connections with the people you are around every day? And, and it is putting ourselves out there. It's challenging culture for the sake of needing to challenge culture. Maybe it's being here more consistently and connections with people in this room, but we have to learn to trust the people in this room, the people that we are doing life with, and that comes through spending time with them, being willing to disagree. We will not find people who just are exact copies of us, but that's honestly not good for us anyway. We make each other better by disagreeing, by being open-minded, by listening, by understanding. But we all need trusted people, trusted connections in our lives. We need to figure out spaces to put more of that back in and remove some of these other things or shift our mindset. But the other side of this coin is kind of this question that, that none of us really want to ask. But the question is, have we caused someone else to be lonely? Do we have enough space in our lives to invite people in who look different than us, who need connection? But also there's a huge culture of like disagreeing and canceling and among teenagers bullying and cyberbullying and just being mean to each other, which causes people to have to pull back and isolate. We have to treat people with respect and love. Or we are also causing loneliness in other people. And so those are the questions I really hope you're willing to wrestle with because we have a culture crisis that is destroying our country, our people, our minds, our, our lives, and our young people. And so do you have space for other people? How do you create those deep connections with people? How do we shift what we value? Can we remove technology that is a barrier? And are we causing anyone else loneliness because of our actions? These are a lot of deep questions to wrestle with. I hope that you're willing to engage with them because it's not gonna accidentally get better. It's going to take intentional decisions by us. And God was very clear, it's literally who he designed us to be. And so I really believe the church needs to be the ones at front leading this movement to going back to who we were designed to be and inviting people in. So let me pray for us this morning. God, I just, I thank you for, for who you are. God, I thank you for how you designed us. But I pray 
I pray that we as people can get back to who you designed us to be, that we can get back to those deep connections. God, if we are lonely, I pray that you give us people around us. I pray that you send people. I pray that you give us boldness to step out to make connections. God, if we, this isn't something we wrestle with, I pray that we can help teach our young people how to do it better. I pray that we can include other people in our circles so that we can help to start fix this and move back to the nation and people you want us to be, God. Amen.